0: The Communist Party of China and their state media made the calculation that there was no downside, essentially, the threatening. You're going to shoot down the Speaker of the House of the United States of America, which is essentially what is an act of war. Today, I sit down with Congressman Scott Perry, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We need to quit this viewpoint that they're a strategic competitor. China and the Communist Party sees the United States of America as their enemy, and they treat us as such. It's time we start acting like there's an enemy out there. We discussed Speaker Pelosi's recent trip
1: to Taiwan, how Beijing is exploiting America's strategic weaknesses, and what holding the Chinese Communist Party to account would actually look like.
0: We could classify and characterize the Chinese Communist Party as a transnational criminal organization. If you look at the evidence, everything that they do qualifies them for that. China's rampant theft of intellectual property is real. There are about a 1,000 open
1: intellectual property cases with the FBI. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelly. (laughs) Congressman Scott Perry, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders.
0: It is great to be with you, and of course the subject, subject couldn't be more appropriate at this moment.
1: No, absolutely, and it's kind of high time. I mean, obviously I've been following your career and what, you know, your thinking about china for years now the speaker of the house nancy pelosi landed in taiwan met the highest level officials in taiwan um the taiwanese were thrilled that she was there um met with you know mixed reactions and very very strong
0: at least verbal reactions from the chinese regime so what's your take so my take is is that uh, I'm happy that America is representing itself in Taiwan and and meeting with the leadership in Taiwan. Uh, um, I'm invigorated that China sees that. Look, everybody knows I'm not a big fan of the Speaker or the Speaker's policies. Regardless, the Speaker speaks for the United States of America, and the Speaker went to Taiwan. That's a big deal. Um while we don't have a treaty obligation, I think it's important that the United States not only signal, not only rhetorically, but in action, let the rest of the world know that we stand with we stand shoulder to shoulder with free people, people that want to be free, people that have democracies and that and, and people that reject oppression, dictatorships and that type of totalitarian leadership around the world. And, of course, it's front and center with China right there. So especially for Taiwan, who it's not just a rhetorical thing that you can say and you don't have to worry about someone an ocean away stealing away the things that you fought for and the freedoms that you have. It's right there in their face. Every time something like this happens, I think it's a good thing for the cause of freedom around the globe when America stands stands up for, stands beside, stands with, countries that uh that want to be free like taiwan
1: so there were actually you know threats from the state media essentially that the top of the state media suggestions that their plane might be shot down there are numerous things that was probably the most extreme that saying that action will be taken um what do you make of
0: this I think that, first of all, it needs to be a wake-up call to anybody in America that thinks that the status quo will always remain the status quo. And when I say that, that America, the United States of America, will always be the global leader. They just assume it because in their lifetime that's how it's always been. But that's been paid for. There's been a big price to pay for that. And, of course, the the cost of freedom is eternal vigilance. And I think what they should recognize is, is that, the communist party of china and their state media made the calculation that there was no downside essentially to threatening threatening the united states which is essentially what is an act of war right you're shooting down because that was the threat you're going to shoot down the speaker of the united states speaker of the house of the united states of america that they made that calculation that there would be no downside or a minimum downside to that and it's a wake up call that that it cannot be business as usual. We need to see the Communist Party of China for what it is, and and we we need to quit this um, this viewpoint that they're a strategic competitor. China and the Communist Party sees the United States of America as their enemy, and they treat us as such. It's time we start acting like there's an enemy out there.
1: You think that. Uh, There's any chance that this, uh, you know, Chinese state media basically saying this in their official capacity is just
0: someone mouthing off? No, there's nothing in Chinese state media that's not controlled by the Communist Party. This is this is all by design. It is intentional. And let me say this, too. There's a reason it's happening, because weakness is provocative and they feel comfortable. They feel comfortable doing it. They feel comfortable saying it because they judge us at this moment to be weak enough that they can get away with it. And that's really the important point that America and American citizens need to internalize. This isn't just happening because someone made a mistake or somebody shot their mouth off. That doesn't happen in these controlled economies, controlled societies. That's all by design. This weakness that the United States is projecting currently and have been over some time, this is the consequence. These are the consequences. And if you think it's going to actually be less, you're, you're wrong. It's going to actually it's going to th- these things are going to increase.
1: You've talked about, you know, I, to quote you, you know, the flaccid response. Right. To China's threats of, frankly, war. Right. In general and you've also described us as having a failed one china policy so explain that to me dig into it
0: so certainly the response has been it's been mixed we see it, even in the administration two different viewpoints that seem to be confusing to americans and able to be taken advantage of by our adversaries especially the chinese we we don't support taiwan the independence of taiwan but But, yep, we'll send the speaker. The speaker will go and meet with the highest leadership. We we disagree with the goals of the Communist Chinese Party, but we don't really do anything meaningful regarding the, the theft of intellectual property, the disregard for international trade agreements, the disregard for United States law regarding all host of things that the Chinese Communist Party does, from propaganda to sending spies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the that's the uh, flaccid. I think is it, may, it might actually be worse than a flaccid response. It's almost a an emboldening, and uh, it's almost a willful, assistive response to what the goals of the Chinese Communist Party are. At some level, we don't want to be in a war with China. We that's not our goal. That's never been our goal. But we have to. I think we have to begin at some point acknowledging that the policy the rhetoric from the united states has been has been failed it's a failed policy and we are long into this now and we have got to begin this moment every single moment that goes by is a wasted moment where we need to start digging ourselves back out of this carefully because we don't want to be in a war with china but and and the communist party of china but we have to understand our circumstances as well we don't have we no longer have the largest navy on the on the planet. We no longer can project power like we could against the Communist Chinese Party because of parity and things like hypersonic missiles and maybe even superiority, superiority potentially of the Chinese Communist Party in space. These things are all a very careful calculation and unfortunately I don't think, certainly I have very little confidence and I think the American people have very little confidence that this current administration has a coherent strategic plan for the short term and the long term of of china and quite honestly as a conservative there have been too many occasions where our side where the republican party in particular has has turned a has turned a blind eye to things that uh, are unacceptable and so we're culpable in this too and we need to be on the side of not just throwing the blame and pointing fingers but how to collaboratively work with our friends on the other side of the aisle for the good of America and the good of the globe. I think it's an important thing to say it's that for decades
1: it's kind of been a bipartisan approach has been to allow the Chinese Communist Party to get away with all sorts of stuff, whether it's, you know, building up, you know, these islands, dredging right. up these, creating these a islands. A lot of in the rhetoric, but yes.
0: zero action. So I've been on the Foreign Affairs Committee since I came to Congress up until COVID-19. There were plenty of bills that were submitted to the committee for consideration, for a markup, for a hearing. None of them ever came to, not one, not one in the entire time until COVID happened. So, yes, both sides, because we were in the majority, too. I was there when we were in the majority for a short period of time. We have uh, we have been complicit in our own demise in this regard. The first of course, the first uh, step towards towards recovery and, and health is recognizing your own failure failures and your own problems. We're complicit.
1: This is something I've been thinking about, right? When, when you're in a relationship, right? You're kind of in a bad relationship, and uh, you know, the other side is used to getting away with stuff with you. It's, it's almost this reaction, right? And it, this strike struck me like this is kind of what maybe China uh, Chinese Communist Party is doing. Basically, you get this situation where it's almost outrageous when you no longer follow the script, and if the script is to capitulate, to agree, to, to allow the other side to quote save face, whatever, there's many, many, many ways to call it. I actually was wondering to myself whether Speaker Pelosi would actually end up in Taiwan, because I think like historical precedent might suggest that, that she wouldn't go if you look across the last however 20 30 years right she did and and there was you know outrage before and outrage after right how do you let's say quote unquote safely
0: change the status quo in our own personal relationships if you've been alive and had any relationship at some point you realize you learn you know that we teach each other what we'll accept right and that's what you kind of get so if you keep on accepting poor Poor treatment from the people you're in relationships with—they're going to continue to give you poor treatment. But if on that day, on one particular day, you decide, "Well, I'm done with that," and 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 you've been long in the relationship where you've allowed them to treat you poorly, there's going to be a reaction to that, and you have to—I think—you have to recognize and understand that. So I think this is kind of one of those moments where we have a choice to do this the right way, or and. Look, it, it, there's, two at this, right? there's two in this relationship. There's the Chinese Communist Party of, of, of you know, CCP, and then, of course, there's the United States of America. And as a military guy, this is one of the things I know. The enemy always gets a vote. You have your plan, but the enemy gets a vote. And, and even though you planned a bunch of different things, the enemy might not do, might not respond the same way. You need, you need to be prepared for that. I think we need to be prepared for that, and I think this is going to take some small but very definitive steps, at least on the outset, to say, you know what, we've reevaluated our relationships and our circumstances. We don't appreciate, pre- appreciate the way you've been treating us, and so we're going we're gonna to move things in a little bit of a different direction right now to see how you respond. I think it's important that we do that as soon as possible, because as time goes on, we have less and less options. Based well, on we, their and, but we've, we've
1: taken a first step here. We have taken right? a first step, but,
0: but but even as you say that, it's my understanding that while the speaker decided, I'm not going to be intimidated by the rhetoric of the Communist Chinese Party, the administration urged her not to go and was not in agreement. That that's not a good place for us to be. And and even while the speaker did did visit Taiwan and 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 it's very high profile. Uh, The world's watching it. The Communist Party of China also is looking behind the scenes and knows that we're not speaking with one voice, and they're going to be willing to exploit that division and that weakness.
1: What would be the geopolitical implications were the U.S. to say, we recognize Taiwan as
0: a sovereign nation? We don't know. We speculate based on the rhetoric of the Communist Party that potentially there will be a a military incursion, that there will be punishment on economic terms to potentially Taiwan to us. I think that the Chinese Communist Party is much more calculated, but I think that they're anxious and they want to move up their timeline, especially when they sense weakness. So uh, I don't think that they necessarily would do anything rash. But here again, the enemy always gets a vote. They might be sitting calculating a whole different paradigm and they might say we're not going to accept that and now we've gotten ourselves so far out on a limb that we're going to be perceived as weak unless we do this and so i think it's very important that we have some caution here and and you know i'm i I want to be careful how i characterize this but you can push an animal into a corner that's generally docile but once it's in a corner and has to fight for its life the, the, the composition, the character of that, of that animal changes. I, I think the prudent thing to do here is to not push the animal into the corner so that it has to fight its way back out. But it's going to take a coherent strategy that all of us are on board with. All of us. It can't be the Speaker's heading here, the President's heading here, Wall Street's heading here. And the the Congress is headed, you know, half the Congress is headed over there. We've all got to be on the same page on this thing, and somebody has to lead it. And unfortunately, at the top, there's been a a lack of, of leadership, certainly during this administration, but to a certain extent on our own party. Now, I think that President Trump was taking the correct steps, but even as he was doing it, people within the administration were undermining him. That cannot be allowed to occur. There needs to be a consequence for that as well. And, and the people that are doing that need to be reminded, and unfortunately somebody's probably going to have to be the example, there's a bigger cause here. It is the cause of the sovereignty of the United States of America and of freedom around the globe. That is the cause. And there's going to have to be sacrifices made.
1: Well, so talking about Wall Street, you know, broadly, I'm just going to use that the term very, very broadly, we're in a situation where still... Chinese companies don't need to be audited normally. At the same time, American companies that are you know, working in China all have these partnerships set up where they transfer their IP, yet the business practices continue. You mentioned Wall Street is needing to be on board with this overall. You know, one, you're kind of describing uh, the all-of-country effort that I think Secretary Pompeo des- described at one point. What is the likelihood of that happening, given these realities?
0: Look, nobody said this was going to be easy. I don't know what the likelihood of is happening, but I, here's what I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident I can say. There's almost no chance it's going to happen if the people at the top of this administration, and quite honestly in the halls of Congress, saying we've had enough of this and we're not going to stand for it any longer and take some concrete actions. And quite honestly, the administration in this regard has the easiest, most difficult, they can react right now. I mean, all they have to do is is say that you're working on the stock exchange and the Securities and Exchange Commission says you're going to comply like anybody else. And quite honestly, I think this is a pretty easy sell to the American people. The American people will be fine with this, even the ones that have questions, if you just say, look, we we would appreciate the reciprocity. So we understand that you don't like this. So we're going to do what's fair here we're going to treat you like everyone else and you're going to treat us like everyone else or we're going to have an issue here somebody has to be willing to say that somebody with the with the authority to make that change and the person with the authority is the president and the secretary you know at the securities and exchange commission they can start signaling and saying this is coming it doesn't have to be you know a switch that you throw overnight you can say look this is We've decided this is now our policy. We're going to implement it in six months or three months or something. But there's been no sign whatsoever that anything's going to change. So the people that are taking advantage of us in this relationship sense that we're okay with being taken advantage of, and they're going to continue, and they're going to see how far they can take advantage.
1: Um, the bills that you are explaining, I mean, there's probably all sorts of reasons why they never made it, or most of them never made it, but you know what's the overall theme that so many of these bills that you saw that would be beneficial to America
0: well there's yeah there's there's a whole host of bills from very moderate to you know pretty pretty in your face i mean for instance we could we could uh, classify and characterize the chinese communist party as a transnational criminal organization now that might seem extreme to people but if you look at the evidence, everything that they do qualifies them for that. I know that's uncomfortable for some people, so uh, so h- how about this? We just don't allow the thrift savings plan, which every service member in uniform is required to pay into, invest in Chinese companies and the Chinese markets that are unaudited and in many cases are funding the very enemy that these uh, people in uniform our service members in uniform are training to fight against that seems pretty perfunctory to me but yet none of that none of that has come up not any of it so we we can't even we can't even uh, find a way to determine what the origins of covid19 are vis-a-vis the chinese communist party the wuhan institute of virology etc we're not even interested in that these these should be somewhat easy things there's a lot of money floating around, I understand, there's a lot at stake, but the sovereignty of your country and your freedoms at stake too, and there's a value to that that we need to start ascribing so that people understand what's at stake here. So
1: so is it the money, basically, is that what you're saying, it's the money
0: that makes the difference? I think a lot of it absolutely is the money, I mean, and it's, it's, it's front and center in some... I hate to pick on them, but they they certainly deserve the criticism, the NBA. I get that the market in China is huge, but is that how we want to live? And so while they're happy to criticize the United States of America for whatever shortcomings we have, either currently or in the past or perceptions about all of that, they're absolutely unwilling to criticize the Communist Party of China. As a matter of fact, even when they tip their toe in the water slightly, they have to come out and publicly apologize for it. Why would they be doing that if it wasn't? What is the is this a long, deeply held belief of theirs that the actually the Communist Party of China is the is is the moral high ground? It is the moral standard. It is the beacon on the hill that we that all countries aspire to. Meanwhile, concentration camps are happening in East Turkestan. You have the social system of credits. You have the lack of freedom now in hong kong before our very eyes the dissolution of the agreement and the i'm sorry but it's a linear equation and and we've all kind of solved it we know what's happening here yes money is a power motive a powerful motivator but you're betraying your own country for the money
1: well and of course an inner freedom can't find work right now and it's right. not for lack of skill right that's, that's exactly sure. right right yeah
0: well but what about the money flowing in the halls of Congress? Well, I think that that's probably something that needs to be addressed. Uh, I, I don't have any that I know of other than the fact that on occasion my family shops at Walmart. So if that's where we're going, then we all need to know that those are the new rules of play. But if it's something bigger than that, if your votes, if the votes that are being taken and the bills that are coming to the forefront in Congress, if that's being done so that somebody is enriching themselves based on that relationship with the communist, the Communist Party of China. I think it's important to make the distinguishment here or distinguish that we're not talking about rank-and-file citizens in China, Chinese citizens that would like freedom themselves. We're talking about the Communist Party and the connections to that and, 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 and that, that enterprise. If the things that are being done in Congress are enriching individuals at the same time for the benefit of, 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 of the CCP – that needs to be taken on head on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm also talking about, I mean, there's, I don't know how much, I don't know if anyone's done this calculation, but how much money the Chinese regime spends on lobbying in Washington. And and frankly, it's not just federal, right? They have operations, as far as, far as I know, in, in every state. Right down to you know, the local level, absolutely. Exactly,
0: yeah. So. And, and again, where is Congress on the oversight? We have a whole committee dedicated to it. We've got every committee. I sit on foreign affairs. There's an oversight subcommittee, not one hearing, not one question.
1: I know that a lot of people are expecting that uh, the Republicans will take the gavel in the House, at least, uh, you know, in the coming election. Um, So
0: what what are you going to do? Well, first of all, um, what we've got to do is – a lot of things to shore up our own citizens right now that are suffering greatly. The the cost of living right now and the policies that are driving them are hitting home to every single citizen. So we, as members of Congress, you know, we we need to start adding value to why we're here. What are we doing for our citizens in our country? And we, um, you know, I'm a representative of of Pennsylvania, the district I represent, and the American people. So that's that's number one. But part and parcel to that is how we're doing internationally. And if we're, you know, when I grew up, every small town, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, every little town had its own industry. And over the course of my lifetime, that's all gone. Those jobs are gone. Those skills are gone. Those industries are gone. Most of them have gone overseas. Most of them have gone to Asia. A lot of them have gone, to, have gone to China. And now, of course, the speed at which and the depth at which is increasing. So it's not just menial jobs. Now it's high tech. And so if we want to preserve not only our country but the well-being and the opportunity for Americans, we need to look at what our policies have been, what the results have been, and start making course corrections. And we haven't seen it. There was started a course correction during the last administration, but that's all been that's all been wiped out in the course of a year and a half already. So we've got to start that long march again, but we've got to get both sides on board. Okay. So well, let's
1: just briefly take a – of side road here, um, there is one initiative that, as far as I know, is pretty much stuck. It's this clean network initiative that uh, Keith Crack uh, ran in the, in the previous administration, basically getting Huawei out of our systems and also out of other countries' systems. Right. Um, so, what about Huawei? I mean, recently there's a little bit but there's been some buzz about. Uh, Hey, wait a sec. Maybe they really do have monitoring on these large structures. Who knew? Right? Uh Who
0: knew? Of course, of course we all knew. So uh, in circumstances like that, we have, there's no time to waste and, and we have to both, again, the left and the right, Republicans and Democrats and everybody in between needs to be speaking with one voice and understanding that it's bad for your country. It's not just politics. It's not just the left versus the right. And we can't go from these wild swings from we're going to ban Huawei and then the next administration comes in and says, well, we have no problem with them. The Chinese can wait us out. They can wait the four years. They can wait the eight years. And in the meantime, they're working all around the globe. Now, at the same time, I think Republicans, particularly conservative, fiscally conservative Republicans, and Democrats for that matter, if there are any left, um, need to be aware of the fact that it might be, there might be a cost to this, right? We oftentimes call it cronyism or crony capitalism, but the Chinese are happy to dump all this technology on these struggling companies to get it embedded in there, and then it's in there, and then for upgrades and so on and so forth, you keep coming back. There's going to be a cost to America to do some of this stuff. The question is: Is it a reasonable cost, and can can American recoup it? Because what we don't want to do is, American taxpayers pay for all of this, and the companies make all the money, you know, they make all the profits, and China just can, and Huawei can, continues. That that's not going to be acceptable. Which is what we've seen to a certain extent.
1: This is a very interesting point, right? This is a point of like, let's call it extreme subsidies. Okay, from the side of the CCP. For strategic reasons, for reasons far beyond the immediate financial gain for corporations. So for example, let's take the solar, you know, the solar, the whole solar panel industry, right, in China, you know, massively subsidized and, you know, basically cornering to the, to the effect of almost cornering the market and, and then basically being the source that need, people need to go to to pick these things up. And this isn't the only industry where this has been done. Do, do, like, do, do, do people realize that this is how, the, how this is so, going to so be So people rolls?
0: like me scream it from the mountaintops every time we get the opportunity, whether it's 85% sourcing of things like battery technology, battery-critical uh, components, solar panels, but also the slave labor associated, whether it's in East Turkestan or whether it's in Africa, and that you're a part of that every time you purchase, every time you advocate for that and so I don't know whether people, generally speaking, know or care. I think they, I think they care about it when they know about it, but they maybe don't believe it, and they don't believe it. It's, it's at that scale. They don't believe maybe in the processing, uh, the, you know, claims of uh, over 90% of the processing, even of, 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 of pharmaceuticals, right? The, then the critical components, the base components of that. Um, I I, th- I don't necessarily think that they. They internalize that until it hits home to them. Now, certain at certain point during COVID, with the pharmaceuticals, it hit home. Just to
1: clarify, because um, we kind of jumped from the solar panels, you're talking about the fact that a very significant portion of the precursors to basically medicines right. in America are made in... We
0: can't get antibiotics in this country if we're dependent on China, which is where we are right now. So again, if you're going to get into an adversarial, openly adversarial, hostile relationship, understand you better be prepared to quickly provide the medicines that your society needs, and right now we can't. So that's why that's just one of the reasons that we have to be careful. So where the right might have to come to the table on funding for some of this stuff, the left has to be able to come and be willing to come to the table and say, all these restrictions on, on getting critical minerals, because they like to call them rare earth minerals. They're not rare. They're under our feet in the United States of America, but it's so restrictive we can't get them. We won't get them. They're going to have to say, look, there's a bigger cause here. Yes, we're going to mine for them. There's going to be be the the things that occur with mining. But no one does it cleaner, more responsibly than the United States of America. But if we're going to allow China to just continue to do this, then we better be ready to be led around by the nose by the Communist Party of China. So the picture that you're painting here is that, Congress hasn't
1: been very effective on this stuff. Congress
0: hasn't been effective because Congress has not been willing for one reason or another, whether it's courage, whether it's people feathering their own nest, or whether it's people uh, voting in favor of someone else that's a constituency that's feathering the the profit motive. But let's face it. What has Congress really done to rein in the Communist Party of China in America or, or globally? It's been tepid rhetoric at best from my estimation.
1: So, you know, I'm, so I'm going to get back to this to this question. Like one of the things that you mentioned, for example, is that you think that China's preferential trade status should be revoked.
0: I do now, think now so. that
1: would be a, a very significant move. I say that that's probably a huge understatement on my side. Right. Of all the things I can imagine doing, that one would probably have the most the greatest consequence. Or do you agree with me? You know, no, um, I,
0: think, I, I, I definitely think it would. Um, and, and, again, I don't necessarily think that you say we're going to flip the switch. You know, when I wake up t- tomorrow morning, I'm going to flip the switch and we're going to announce it. I think you start letting China know we've had enough. And these are the consequences. Here's what you do so this doesn't happen. You take these actions, and we can have a discussion about this or not. But if nothing's going to happen in this appropriate amount of time, which we are going to lay out right now, here's the timeline, here are the concrete steps you can take, then we're going to start taking some action. No one's talking in those terms whatsoever. And so what happens is with frustration, people say, well, if you're not going to do anything, then I'm just going to do this. And and so we all go to our corners. We We can't be that way, but... Somebody, the leadership in Congress has to be willing to do this, and when I say the leadership in Congress, it's the speaker, it's it's the minority leader, it's committee leadership as well. It's committee leadership as well, especially on things like the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Financial Services Committee, the the Energy and Commerce Committee. Like, take a stand, get together, and and work out a plan that we can all be for so that we can start walking our way out of this box that we put ourselves in.
1: Is there anyone still thinking or talking about holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable for COVID?
0: Not in a – no, not in a real way. No, not in any real way. Certainly the administration could be the strongest one on that. But um, signaling that, uh, you know, we're going to join uh, – uh, let the World Health Organization in this pandemic uh, response policy doesn't bode well. And, again, it's the rhetoric – it's the rhetoric followed by the action, and and we see nothing. I see nothing that signals to me that the administration is willing to hold China accountable. They have, they have a different priority. They have different priorities. And so other people that are following along know that, and they follow along those priorities, not this priority. This has to become a priority.
1: But you introduced, I think, a bill in 2020, right, about this. Right. So it died, I would guess. Sure. And so, is it
0: coming back? Well, we're going to continue to reintroduce it, but, but, the other side of the aisle is not going to. First of all, they have to agree with it. Second of all, they, you know, look, it doesn't have to be my bill. They can write the same bill or something similar, and I'll support it. We won't love it, you know, that they that they steal it from you. But we're trying to get on the same page here. So it's certainly not going to come up while they're in charge. The question is, will it come up? when we're in charge or we have a conversation about it well so no but so that's kind of what i'm asking right i I sure hope so uh, i sure (laughs) hope so
1: yeah uh i want to jump back to this bill that would label the chinese communist party a transnational criminal organization um and that you know when you look you tick the boxes all the boxes get ticked right um but it would be such a huge move politically that it's almost unimaginable perhaps even to people that are listening
0: right now but this has been something you've been serious about sure because because the, it is acting as a as a transnational criminal organization to the detriment of our country to our society to our economy and look even if we had a markup on the bill even if we brought the bill up and we had a conver- we had a hearing on the bill it would start sending a signal, but when you don't even discuss the fact that every single day they, the Chinese Communist Party gets away with this stuff and, and we do nothing about it, lends people to wonder why, why do we have these designations if we're not going to use them and, as, and apparently you can buy your way out of them. We're either a country of laws or, or, or we're not. And again... We have to change the behavior of the Communist Chinese Party. And we also, I think, the important part of the conversation is to alert America that this is happening because they might not know it, but to also have them understand there is a separation between the Chinese people who are oppressed and the Chinese Communist Party that oppresses them and wants to steal from us and replace us as the leader in the world. And, 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 but. How are they ever going to know? How are the people that are trying to pay their mortgage, get their kids to school, deal with their doctor bills and insurance and taxes and all that stuff, how are they even going to start internalizing this if we never begin to have the conversation?
1: You know, it's interesting that you mention that because uh, just a few days ago, uh, when I say that, I'm talking about this stark distinction between the Chinese Communist Party and the people. Um, certainly there are certain people who support the chinese regime but there's certainly a, a heck of a lot that don't and you know this i, I re- not too long ago i had professor sania from catholic university on the show talking about the quit the communist party movement also known as the tui Dang movement and that movement just passed 400 people 400 you know, million 400 million 400 thank you million 400, people, million, 400 people, million people basically you know having quit the communist party over i guess it's almost two decades i forget the the exact time period but in this you know kind of special mechanism that, that that has been functioning all
0: these years so there's there's people yeah here again and and of course it's easy for us right we're in america and it's easy if you don't live somewhere in the clutches of the chinese communist party to say I quit the CCP, and I'm sure many have done it, but for the ones that are in the clutches or potentially in the clutches, understand the gravity of the situation. Lose your livelihood, maybe lose your family, lose, lose your life, potentially. Um, be disappeared, those type of things. Um, I think this is a good opportunity, and again, carefully, for, for America to say, we stand with these people, we acknowledge these folks, And and again, draw this distinction and, and buttress the sacrifices that they're making for the sake of freedom. We just cannot continue to take for granted the liberties that we have because they will be taken away as they have been taken away in Hong Kong, as they are being taken away in Tibet, as they are in China. All that stuff, especially with the advent of big tech and, and knowing that big tech are big tech, the United States big tech. Well, when I say that, of course, they don't see themselves. They see themselves as global companies founded and operated from the United States of America, but working with the Communist Chinese Party to oppress their people. Why is that acceptable in the United States of America by American citizens? Why is forced organ harvesting of the Falun Gong, why is that acceptable for the American people? Why isn't the media covering it? Why is this not a bigger issue? Somebody has to make it a priority. And and as you know, I make it one of my priorities. But we need 435 in the House. We need 100 in the Senate. And for goodness sake, we need the President of the United States to say something about this.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned this. You know, um, this is something that I've been reporting on since 2006. I remember I... uh, I interviewed a man named David Kilgore. You've probably probably met him, recently passed away, unfortunately. But he was doing some of the initial work studying this issue. Is there really a murder for organs industry in China? And he had come, you know, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He had talked to a Taiwanese who had gotten eight. He had a rare antibody condition, the Taiwanese. He had eight different kidneys fitted before the eighth, one took over two trips over two months. And, you know, again, you know, explain to me an ethical scenario where, where this actually happened. And, you know, recently we have this um, uh, American Journal of Transplantation, uh, uh, basically top, top tier transplantation journal in the world, publishing that there's at least 73 cases in the published literature of basically Chinese doctors, Chinese doctor scientists, killing people by extracting the heart right so this is this is not conspiracy theory and, but when we talk about it i think back to coma i think back to all these you know crazy films and it's very hard for people
0: to grasp they can't imagine this would actually be happening in the 21st century but but every single sign points to it and of course we have to be careful here because no one has stood in the operating room with the lights on and the camera on interviewing the person that's about to have their organs yeah. taken out lose their yeah. life because of you know, I got a newsflash for everybody. The Chinese Communist Party doesn't allow these kind of investigations in their country. But the fact, but for the fact that there is no waiting list for an organ in China. Look, we're a pretty developed country as America and, of course, Europe and so on and so forth. Yet there are long waiting lists. People wait and sometimes expire while they're waiting for a suitable match. Yet there's not one in China. And, of course, there, are, there have been investigations that have concluded Have confirmed as far as they can that this this occurrence goes on. We want to see the public outcry. We want to see Xi Jinping in an open forum questioned and not be allowed to weasel out of answering that question. That's, That's what we wanted to see. Not some thing where behind closed doors you come back out and tell us afterwards, well, I brought it up.
1: See, here's the thing that has always troubled me. Right? When you know that a regime, a government does this sort of thing, or at least sanctions this sort of thing. There's a lot of money. This is a billion-dollar industry by the most conservative calculations. Um, How can you expect them to function ethically in
0: other areas? And you know that they won't. Again, we're doing what's easy. We're just turning a blind eye to these horrible things over here because we want to do business over here. And morally and ethically, it's, it's completely unacceptable, uh, and it's unacceptable from a government standpoint to, to essentially turn a blind eye as well, which is exactly what we've been doing for a long time. And we found some way to justify that we, since we don't have the proof right in front of us, we don't have the person that had their organs harvested where the family members, you know, witnesses and so on and so forth, so we can't do a thing about it. Um, we have said in our lifetime... Never again, never again. It's happening right now, and we're not doing a thing about it. Well, and not dealing with basically
1: this being done to the Falun Gong for you know more than a decade, I would argue, and others have argued, you know, much smarter people than me have argued that you know it resulted in the current situation in Xinjiang.
0: Well that's that, again, weakness is provocative. I mean, there was a dictator in the 30s that said, well, we watched what happened to the Armenians, and no one said a word. So we can just keep going. That's why you cannot allow, allow these things to occur at any level. As soon as you find out about them, they must be stopped. And, and the United States is, uh, is woefully lacking. Quite honestly, the free world completely is woefully lacking.
1: I've already kind of touched on this question a little bit a, a couple of times. This is sort of as, as we finish up, Right. There, there, I'll, I'll add that there was a significant turning point with the Trump administration um, and there is this is one of the areas where there is some kind of bipartisan consensus it was the speaker Pelosi that went to Taiwan after all um, that that the CCP has to be dealt with in some way but at the same time you know during throughout this interview um, you've talked about you know lots of structural problems in the US in Congress and the administration so forth that are kind of preventing that from actually happening. So just like I guess in a very, very concrete way, what are the
0: immediate things that we that can concretely be done to shift that? I think the rhetoric's important. I think these public actions like the one by the speaker are important to to reset people's minds about this. I think that probably the best thing to do is for there to be an overall look of what the perils that the United States faces in a world where China is in charge and is the global leader, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's technology, whether it's just general economics or finance. Look at the, you know, I think categorize those, prioritize those, those problems, those challenges that we have so that we can start assigning a solution set to each one and prioritize that both legislatively, administratively. But right now, there is no there is no one plan that everybody can refer to and say, no, the real problem is this. This is a real problem now, but we've worked on it and we got it to 50 percent. Now we need to shift to this. We're, we're, we're being attacked from all sides in the chaos of that attack. We can't pick something and start working on it or we're just unwilling to because right now it serves other interests, and we're happy with that. And we can't look out far enough to see where this, where this story ends. We've got to start looking out far enough now, come up with what our challenges are, prioritize our solutions, and get to work on those solutions.
1: Okay. Well, Congressman Scott Perry, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity and the forum. It is, it is great and I think it's impactful for people to know. Thanks for bringing it to us. Thank you.
1: Thank you all for joining Congressman Scott Perry and me on this episode of American Thought Leaders. I'm your host, Yanya Kelleck.